Well, hello, Thrive Church. We are so happy to have you with us today. My name is Judah Thomas, and I'm the lead pastor here at Thrive, and we welcome you, whether you're here with us in Terryville, Torrington, New Britain, online. We are so happy to have you uh, with us, and uh, you know, we have our Christmas services. Man, it's hard to believe that it's almost here, so uh, get your Christmas shopping done early, but uh, we are going to be having some great uh, Christmas services at uh, Thrive this year, and it's going to be on uh, December 15th and 19th. Uh, there's going to be uh, six different services across our campuses, and uh, make sure you grab one of these cards, or uh, you can also go to our website and get uh, times and information for that, but we like to invite you, but also encourage you to invite somebody else, maybe a family member or friend. You know, uh, sometimes we can have a difficulty inviting people to church, but when it comes to something like Christmas, I mean, we can kind of twist the arm just a little bit, because it's like, it's Christmas for crying out loud, come to church. So um, we just want to encourage you to use a little bit of uh, godly manipulation there. Um, just joking, of course. Uh, I'm, I'm not really. Uh, but uh, we're also starting a, a new series uh, kind of in our, in our Christmas uh, time uh, called Great Expectations, and that's starting next week. And, and just talking about expectations that we have, expectations that there were in Scripture and how they came about. So we'd invite you to come out for that. And today we are concluding our series, Finding Joy. Finding Joy. Is anybody joyful today? That, I guess not. Oh, man. You know, maybe I'm not ending this series after all. Let's try this again. Anybody got some joy today? Okay. A few of you do, and some of you are like, I can't believe I came here tonight. These people are crazy. Um, you know, Scripture talks a lot about joy, and I believe that it's God's desire for each of us to live a joyful life. It's God's desire for us to live a joyful life. However, however, some of the meanest, ungrateful, rudest, angriest people I've ever met are Christians. Oh, man, have you ever met a mean Christian before? Don't elbow them, just raise your hand, okay? You know, we, we meet people. In fact, I, there, there was a guy I knew growing up in my teenage years, and, and, and he was a, a good friend of mine. And uh, the problem was, was he had the uncanny ability to look at the bad side of everything. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like some of you have that gift also. Like you can always see the negative of the situation. And, and this guy, he did that. It didn't matter if things were going good or if things were going bad. They were always going bad in his life. You know, it was like he had, and it's like, like we are following Jesus for crying out loud. Like it's the gospel, which means the good news. So where's the joy? Where's the joy? Walking around like we're so sad, like we're so down. And, and, and then you talk to people, and it's like, oh, I've got the joy of the Lord, but let me tell you how ticked off I am. Let, let me tell you about the people that I hate, that I can't stand. You know, let, let me tell you uh, what, what I think about these issues. People can be so angry, and they clearly aren't operating and living in the joy that God has for us. And I believe this joy is available to you. This joy is available to you. In Scripture, it says that a, that a joyful heart is good like a medicine. Man, it, it, it's, it's good for you physically. It says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Last week, we talked about, about thankfulness and thanksgiving. And, and in your notes, gratitude will spark joy in your life. When you take time to be 
thankful, to give praise. You can't be grateful and, uh, and unjoyful at the same time. When you are grateful, you are also joyful. See, I believe that, that you can have joy in every situation of your life. I believe you can have joy in the good times and in the bad times, in the up and the down. And so throughout this series, we've been looking at the book of Philippians, and this was Paul's uh, letter to the church in Philippi. This is a church that Paul started. It was the first church that was started in ancient Europe at the time, this church in Philippi. And, and, and look what he says here in Philippians 3.1. He says, whatever happens, underline those two words, okay? We're just going to stop here. Two words then. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. This means anything that happens. Whatever goes on, regardless of the situations in your life, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Whatever happens, rejoice. Whatever happens. Now, now what, what could he be speaking to in this letter? As he's talking to the church in Philippi, what could he be talking about? You know, they were facing persecution. They were facing being threatened with being imprisoned for their faith. They, they, were, they were facing issues like, like many of us face, ridicule and rejection. They were facing things like, like, like job loss and, and, and failed relationships. What things are you facing? Whatever happens, this includes totaling your car or going through a breakup or getting laid off. You know, it says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, even when that investment goes the wrong direction, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and we know, because he says it over and over and over throughout Philippians. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith, to safeguard your faith, to protect your faith. Because when we have God's joy, it protects our faith. See, see, this, this is, this is uh, you know, something, uh, an issue of the mind. How is our, our mind doing? Are we having faith? Are we fixing our thoughts on what is good? Are you winning in the battle of your mind or are you not? See, if we're not winning in that, we need to, we need to encounter the joy of the Lord. We do that by, by giving thanks and by some other things we'll be talking about today. So he's saying, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Throughout this series, we've been focused a lot on the word rejoice and having joy, but specifically it says rejoice in the Lord. He's not saying rejoice when you have favorable circumstances. He's not saying rejoice if you have a lot of money. He's not saying rejoice if you have status. He's not saying rejoice when you're in a good relationship. He's not saying rejoice when your health is good. He's not saying rejoice if you have a good GPA. See, see, he's not saying rejoice in these things because these things have the potential to change. But we rejoice in the Lord because in your notes, we rejoice in the Lord because he is unchanging. See, he is not changed. He is not wavering due to the circumstances that come at you in life. Some of you are facing some heavy things in life right now. Facing sickness and, and loss. Facing income problems and debt and, and potentials of foreclosure. You're facing some, some heavy things. But even though our situations change, our Lord never does change. 
See, if, if you are calling yourself a Christian, but you're not rejoicing, then you're doing it wrong. If you're not rejoicing, you're doing it wrong. See, we are saved, saved from an eternity separated from God in hell. We, we have been redeemed. We have been freed from bondage. How can we not have joy? But yet so often we go around, man, looking like our world is caving in. You know, but, but we know how to rejoice in other things, right? Like, like, like we know how to rejoice when, when my team won, right? But like, you know what that's like when your team wins. You see people rejoice when their team wins. I mean, they get so excited and they, 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 they paint their faces funky colors and, and, and they jump around and, and like, my team won. I hate to break it to you, okay? But you don't have a team. Unless if you're a billionaire, you don't actually have a team. You, I can prove it to you. If you were walking down the street and your team walked by, would they notice you and know who you are? No. See, you're, you're a fan of them, perhaps. You like them, but, you, but, but they aren't yours, right? It's like, like, like you're, you're celebrating for something that you actually have no real claim to. But see, God is saying, I want to give you my joy. See, we celebrate, we rejoice in other things. If you won the lotto, you're like, finally, all my years of, of scratching those tickets has finally paid off. I want We can rejoice when we win the lotto. Maybe you rejoice when you, when you get a new job or when you, when you get a, a, a raise in that job. You rejoice at the birth of your child. You rejoice on the, on the crazy video of you on a mountain bike falling down the mountain that went viral, right? Like we can rejoice at all kinds of crazy things, and those are fine. But this verse is saying for us to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, not in my situations, not in my, my, my accomplishments, but that I rejoice in the Lord. Look what it says in Psalm 73, verse 26. He says, my health may fail. If your health isn't failing now, likely it will at some point in time in life. Like, like I don't mean to be a downer here. We're just facing the facts here. He says, my, my, my health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. God remains the strength. He is mine forever. The, that word mine says, he, he is my portion, or he is my inheritance forever. I may not have my health, my, my spirit may grow weak. I may lose everything else in life, but I'm not losing the Lord because he is my inheritance. He is mine forever. See, basically what he's saying is I can rejoice. I can rejoice in the Lord in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of difficulties and hardships. I can praise the Lord at all times, as the psalmist says. I can praise the Lord at all times. In your notes, I don't need good circumstances in order to have joy. I don't need good circumstances. I can have joy even in the middle of bad circumstances just fine. Whatever happens, he said. Remember that? We read that in verse 1. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. This is not a suggestion. This is not some good advice. This is a command for us to rejoice. Well, I don't like that. I'm sorry. I don't like it either. But he's telling us we need to rejoice in the Lord regardless of the circumstances. Whatever happens, rejoice. 
even when everything that can go wrong does go wrong. You say, but my life is a dumpster fire right now. Well, then rejoice. Rejoice that it's not something bigger. It's not the whole dump on fire, okay? We need to rejoice in the Lord. We can still have joy. We, we need to, uh, to, to not allow situations in our life to dictate our life. But so often we allow the situations to dictate my life. If something good happens, well, then I'm happy. And if something bad happens, man, I am ticked off at the world. We, we allow situations and circumstances to determine and dictate the course of our life. Now, David was a guy in the Bible. This is before Jesus came in, in the Old Testament. He was one of the, the, the Jewish kings. He was the second Jewish king. You, you probably have heard the story of, of him fighting the, the, the giant Goliath with, with some stones that he had. And, and, and along the way, a prophet said to uh, David, said, you will be the next king. And, and so he knew one day he was going to be the king. But the current king, King Saul, wanted nothing to do with that. Now, Saul and David had an interesting relationship. They would go back and forth, and Saul sometimes would love David, and other times he would hate him and try to murder him. So, so this was a very tense relationship. Now, one of those times, Saul was wanting to murder David. Now, we read it and kind of gloss over it, but think about it for a moment. Imagine the most powerful person in the region there wanting you dead and, and mobilizing his entire army to carry that out. So they're chasing little David, and David is running, and David doesn't have anything to eat, so he stops at the temple and, and, and begs for some food there, gets a weapon, the same sword that he fought Goliath with, and, and he's going, he's running, he's hiding. He ends up going to the Philistine city of Gath. You know what's interesting about Gath? Is that that's where Goliath was from, the big giant that he killed when he was a teenager. Now he's coming to the city for safe refuge. As you can imagine, it wasn't a warm welcome when he got there. He shows up there, and, and they're like, oh, we don't want you here, David. So David goes into fight or flight. He does the only thing he can think of to save his hide. You know what he does? He pretends to be insane. Like, literally, he starts foaming at the mouth and scratching on doors and, like, talking gibberish. I don't know, you know. And, and, and isn't it great that we have cell phones now? Because you can walk down the road talking to yourself, and everybody just thinks you got a Bluetooth headset on, you know, or something. I don't know where that came from. But anyhow, David was talking to himself, and he didn't have a Bluetooth earpiece, you know. He, he's acting totally insane, totally crazy. And in that, he writes a song. I mean, he had every right to be angry at God. He had every right to be fearful and worried. But look what he writes in Psalm 34, 1. This is a Psalm of David regarding the time he pretended to be insane in front of Abimelech who sent him away. Look, look what he says. I will praise the Lord at all times. Whatever happens, I'm going to praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. I will give thanks. I will rejoice in the Lord at all times. I will continually speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. But David, you don't have anything to talk about. I mean, you're running for your life. No, no, no. Let's sit around. Let's tell of his greatness. Let's exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. And he freed me of all of my fears. He freed me. Some of us, we need to be set free from some of our fears, our fears of the future, our fears for loved ones, our fears for finances. We need to be set free from some of these fears. And David says, he freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to him 
for help will be radiant with joy. Underline those three words. They will be radiant with joy. Are you living with radiant joy? Like, like when I read that radiant joy, it just st stuck out to me. Because regular joy, it might be joy inside, but radiant implies something different, doesn't it? Radiant implies that it radiates out. That other people are able to see the joy that I have inside of me. I'm not, I'm not a closet joyful person. I, I, I'm, I'm letting it out. It's radiating out from me. Other people are able to see the joy. It's radiating out. He says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened, and he saved me from my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard, and he surrounds and defends all who fear him. Verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Underline that. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joy of those who take refuge in him. Oh, the joy when you taste and see that God is good. Do you have this radiant joy? He's saying, if you don't have it, taste and see that God is good. Take refuge in him. Cast your cares upon him. Turn to him. Rely on him. Put your trust in him. Saying, God, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but I trust that you do know. I trust that you are in control, that you've never lost control, that you know the future, that you have a plan for me, that you're going to guide me. And even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, you will be with me. I'm going to put my trust in you. He's saying, try it. Give thanks. Choose joy. Taste and see because it's better than what you're doing right now. If this was an infomercial, it would have a money-back guarantee, right? Call now, taste and see for $19.95. No, it's free. You don't have to pay anything. And you still get a money-back guarantee. Say, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, I can rejoice now. I can rejoice. Why? Because in your notes, I can rejoice because, because the goodness of God is so much greater than the troubles of this life. See, if you're going to compare the goodness of God and my little troubles, it's no comparison at all. So that's why I can rejoice. I can rejoice because I'm overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I'm not overwhelmed by my troubles. I'm overwhelmed by his goodness. His goodness far surpasses any trouble that I may face. It's like the old saying, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day of work. You ever heard that before? Bad day of fishing is better than a good day of work. And I've had some bad days of fishing, okay? Like, like there was one time, you know, I, 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 uh, I took my dad fishing. We went fly fishing on the Farmington River, and I hired a, a guide to take us out there and, and to really take us where, the, where he knew the fish would be biting. And we're like, we're going to spend all day there. We go out there. We got this guide. We're, 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 we mean business. We are going to get into these, you know, trout, and we're going to have a blast. And guess how much we call it? Zero fish. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could say it was a bad day of fishing, but, but it wasn't because we had time together. You know, that's why they say a bad day of fishing is better than a, better than a good day of work. But, but it says it differently in Scripture. Look how it says it in Scripture. In Psalm 48, 10, he says, A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. A single day just in the courtyard. I don't even have to be in the throne room. I, I don't, I, just as long as I'm near you, a single day I would trade, a single day, I, that's better than a thousand anywhere else. Says I would rather be a gatekeeper, the lowliest of the lowliest, I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. 
Basically, what he's saying is in your notes that a bad day with the Lord is better than a good day on my own. See, a bad day with God is really not a bad day because I know that he is bigger than my problems. I know that he holds my future. I'd rather have all the bad days but have God with me and by my side than smooth sailing and everything I want, but I'm doing it on my own. See, when you have a moment with Jesus, everything else pales in comparison. It's like that, that show alone. I referenced it last week. It's just a good show, so I'm going to reference it again. Show alone, if you've ever seen it, you know, they just take a bunch of guys that think they're tough and they put them out in the wilderness. No human contact. You're just there. Drop you down alone. you got like 10 items you can bring with you. Say, okay, good luck. Survive. We hope you don't die. And, um, and, and they're out there. And, and whenever they want to give up, they can give up. But, but it's interesting because the whole point of that is, is whoever stays out there the longest, and you don't know when anybody taps out. Like, so whoever stays there the longest, and they're staying there for months, whoever stays there the longest wins some money, some money. That's what they win, money. It's interesting to see what people will endure for the joy of a few dollars. They'll endure all kinds of hardship. They'll endure being sick. They'll endure drinking water that's full of giardia. They'll endure eating raw meat. They'll endure living off of field mice. They'll endure all of these things. For the joy of a bigger bank account. See, see, there's a joy coming that, so that we can endure the hardship of life right now. There's a joy coming. See, Jesus said that he is going to prepare a place for you and for me. There's a joy coming, a joy of eternal life with him in heaven. See, I'm, I can be joyful because I know what comes next. I can be joyful because I know that we win. I can be joyful because I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and he's forgiven my sin, and he's wiped away my past, my sin, my shame, and now I can live in freedom. So I can endure the troubles that I'm facing, because I'm like, I'm going to win the prize. I, I, you know, yeah, I, I, may have to, I may have to suck the bone marrow out of a field mice for a little while, but I know if I stay here long enough, if my attitude's good enough, I'm going to make it to the end. In Philippians 3.8, he says, Paul basically reemphasizes this. He says, yes, everything else is worthless, Everything is worthless. My accomplishments, my purchases, my real estate, my investments, my education, my background, my, 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 my citizenship. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's not saying that it's, it's, it's not important at all, but he says when you, when you put them side by side, there's no comparison. Everything I've achieved in life, every accomplishment, every dollar I've earned, it all pales in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, just counting it all as worthless so that I could gain Christ and I could become one with him. It's all worthless, he's saying, because I have Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I don't need anything else. So he says, and another part, he says that he learned to be content with a lot and with a little bit. He said, because I, it, my contentment is not based on things. It's not based on accomplishments. It's based on my relationship with Jesus. 
in your notes, the good things in life are empty if I don't have Jesus. So many people, they, they pursue the good things in life. They want the good life, but you're never going to get the good life if you're doing it on your own. If you're doing it without a relationship with Jesus Christ for, first and foremost in your life. So I, I, I can do anything. I can endure the bad things. I can endure the hardships because of the joy set before me. As scripture says, sorrow may last for a night, but I know that joy is coming in the morning. It might get dark out, it might get cold out, but I know the sun is going to rise. And though sorrow may last for a, a night, his joy is coming. I can have everything else. I can have riches, and I can have relationships, and I can have popularity, and I can have education, but without Jesus, it's nothing. It's nothing. You know, I, I just read an article recently about, about crew members on what they call super yachts. And these people specifically were on these yachts of billionaires that are longer than 300 feet. So this is longer than a football field. Some of these yachts actually have other yachts that follow them just to carry the toys, the extra boats and helicopters and stuff like that. And so, so these boats, they go out there and people are living the opulent lifestyle. But this, the article was interesting because it was talking about how miserable these people were and, and all the things that they're going through just as kind of satisfy the, their temporary pleasures and they have no care for anything else. See, they have everything in the world, but yet it doesn't mean anything because they don't have joy, because they don't have Jesus. I can have it all, but without Jesus, it's meaningless. Maybe you've been looking for joy in the wrong place. You've been looking for, for joy trying to climb the corporate ladder, but joy is not at the top. Maybe you've been trying to get joy by, by pursuing education. Maybe you've been trying to find joy by pursuing a relationship. That's not where joy is. Joy is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, it, it reminds me of the story of this, this uh, police officer. He's walking down the road, and it's at nighttime, and he sees a drunk guy, and he's looking on the ground underneath the streetlight, and, and he's looking for something, and the cop comes over to this guy and says, what are you looking for? He's like, I'm looking for my keys. So the cop goes down, and he's helping him, and they're looking all over for these keys. And, and, and after about like 10 minutes, the cop says, are you sure this is where you dropped the keys? And the drunk guy says, no, I dropped them in the park. And the cop's like, well, why are you looking here? He said, well, this is where the light is. Sometimes that's what we're doing, though. We're looking for joy over here. Oh, that, that, that's where it seems like it's better. seems like it's better, to, but that's not even where it is. We're looking in the wrong places. See, joy is found in Jesus Christ, and when you have this joy, the world can't take it away. It says in Psalm 1611, You have made known the path to me, the path of life. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Underline that. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Not just joy, fullness of joy. Not just joy, radiant joy. Not just joy, complete joy. Not just joy, abundant joy. See, abundant joy is found in God's presence. See, maybe there's people that you love to be around. Friend, a family member. That, that you just love being around. Like if you're down and you're around them, like you know that you'll feel better about yourself. You'll feel better about life. You'll feel encouraged because, because the person has a radiant personality. You just like being around them. And here, he's saying that in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. 
See, there is this abundant joy in God's presence. In your notes, God's presence is more important than his presence. See that? God's presence is more important than his presence because so many people are pursuing the gift and forgetting the giver. I want the presence. I want the gifts. I want you to bless me. I want you to heal me. I want you to give me a good job. I want you to give me a good opportunity. I want you to take care of me. I want you to fix all the problems that I made in life. And then we ignore the presence, being in the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, the presence of God don't matter anymore because his presence is present enough. I don't know if you're following me with this. But see, here's the thing. We need to be aware of his presence, that he is here with us, that he is guiding us. See, God wants to give you joy, but it's found in being close to him. It's found in spending time with him. You know, this is something that I, that, that I wrestled with in my own life, being in the presence of God for years and years. And, and for me, I just said, you know what? I, I need to have intentional time. And so, so every morning, just about, um, I, I go for a walk. And, uh, and rain, snow, sleet, or hail. You know, I'm out there walking early in the morning because otherwise I'd fall asleep. Like, that, that's, that's why I do it. Like, I would fall asleep otherwise. But I'm out there, and I just want to be aware of God's presence. I want to be aware of his presence, that God is with me regardless of what is going on in the difficulties of life. I want his joy. I want his joy. See, joy, so there was a song that we used to sing in, you know, church's kids it was like joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart maybe you've heard it. i don't know and it's like kind of a weird song like joy is the flag flown high in the castle of my heart and i'm thinking about like what does that mean and, and what that's taken from is that when you go to england there's a certain flag it's called like i think it's called like the royal standard and when the queen is there in the castle they raise the flag everybody knows the queen's there when she's not there the flag comes down See, joy is a flag in your life when the king is in residence there. When, when, when God is in your heart, when Jesus is controlling your life, the flag comes up of joy. And if there's no joy in our life, then, then we need to maybe reconsider our relationship with God. Am I spending time in his presence? Am I spending time giving thanks to him for the goodness, the good things that he's done? We'll close with this verse in Philippians Chapter uh, 3, verse 13. It says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Some of us, we need to do that. We need to forget the past. We need to forget the bad things, the shame, the abuse, the rejection, the hurt, the sin. We need to forget the past. Some of us, we need to forget some of the good things, too, because we're just living in the past. He says, I focus my energy on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. There is a heavenly prize that's awaiting you. There is a heavenly reward that is awaiting you. And knowing that we get that reward one day is enough to give us joy. Joy that this life is not the end. There's a heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And he will take our weak and our mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. He tells us to rejoice 
Rejoice because, because your name is written in heaven. Rejoice because your sins have been forgiven. Rejoice because you've been given a second chance and a hundredth chance and some of us a thousandth chance. Like you've been given another chance. We can rejoice because we are saved. We can rejoice because we are a part of God's family. We can have abundant joy. We can have radiant joy. So don't be dejected and sad because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That the joyful heart is good like a medicine. The psalmist who says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation because salvation, the gospel, the good news brings joy. So regardless of what goes on in my life, give me Jesus. Like the old hymn. It says, in the morning when I rise, just give me Jesus. And when I am alone, just give me Jesus. And when I come to die, just give me Jesus. You can have this old world, but just give me Jesus. Because when I have him, then I have joy. And this is good news. And we can rejoice. And we should be the most joyful people in the world. Father, we come to you now. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you've saved us, that you've called us your own, that you've forgiven our sins, that you've given us another chance. Lord, restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Let us be joyful people. Let it be contagious. Let us be radiantly joyful. So that other people are like, what do you got to be joyful for? Your whole world has fallen apart. That's okay, because my God is bigger the goodness of my God is bigger than the problems of this world. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord, oh, don't let another day go by. Scripture says that all you have to do is call on his name. Call on his name that Jesus is your Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you'll be saved. Won't you call on his name? No matter where you are right now, no matter what's going on in your life, if you need to make that step, make that step now. Call on his name. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Give me your joy, the joy of your salvation. Lord, let us be joyful people. Let us have your joy. Let your joy fill us now. By your Holy Spirit, fill us with this fruit of the Spirit of joy. Fill us now all across our campuses. Fill us with your joy, Lord. Your joy is our strength. Restore to us your joy. Your joy is good like a medicine. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. So we acknowledge your presence here. We acknowledge that you are bringing joy here. So we rejoice in the Lord always. And again we say... Rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go and visit us at www.thrive.church. If you're ever in the area, we'd like to invite you to come and join us. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, we encourage you to leave a rating, review, share with your friends and family. Until next time, may you grow deeper in God's word each day.